Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and this is the Downtime Podcast, where we're going to be taking you deeper than ever into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. And this week, we've got something brand new for you. More and more people are enjoying consuming podcasts in video format. So from now, I'm planning to bring you as many of the episodes as possible in video too, so as you can choose how you consume it. If you're into just the audio, then that'll still be just as it was. But if you fancy watching the episodes too, then you can do that by heading over to my YouTube channel. You're going to find all of that over at youtube.com forward slash at downtime podcast, or I'll also link it in the show notes of the episode. I feel like I'm right at the beginning of a very long learning curve with the video side of stuff, and I'll be doing my best to keep growing and improving that side of things as we go along. As always, I'm very open to feedback, so just hit me up in the comments or on email. Before we get stuck into this week's episode, here are a few things you can do to support the show. Downtime t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies are available over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. If, like me, you've got a bit of a soft spot for print, then for just £20 a year, you can subscribe to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP. It's made in collaboration with the incredible team over at Misspent Summers, and it takes the topics and themes from the podcast and brings them into a stunning print format featuring mountain biking's most talented writers and photographers. You can subscribe over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. If you want a little bit more downtime in your life, then you can join my newsletter where I'll provide you with a bit of behind the scenes info on the podcast, interesting bits and pieces from around the mountain bike world, some mini reviews on products that I've been using and like, some partner offers and more. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. Otherwise, don't forget to follow the podcast to make sure you never miss an episode. You can do that by hitting the button in your podcast app now, or there's buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow. If you've already done all that, then you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook too, where we're at Downtime Podcast. All the links for all of that are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. And don't forget, if you want, you can watch this episode over on youtube.com forward slash at Downtime Podcast. All right, this week I'm joined by Jesse Melamed. Last week, Jesse announced that he'd be joining the Canyon Collective team for 2023. So we sat down to find out a bit more about it. Before we get stuck into the team change, we find out about what Jesse's learned about bike setup and how that's enabled him to get a setup that suits his riding style and enables him to push harder without taking more risk. Hear how that setup panned out throughout 2022 and how he ultimately took the 2022 overall title. With his engineering background and analytical approach, Jesse always delivers on the detail. So without further ado, here's Jesse Melamed. Jesse Melamed, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. It's been a little while. How are you doing? Uh, it's been a while, yeah. Think, things are good. We're uh, in the middle of winter. Um, looks like it's sunny out today, which is kind of nice. It's been a bit hard for us, but otherwise, otherwise pretty good, yeah. Good stuff. Let's not mess about. Let's just get straight into the technical stuff. You're an analytical kind of guy. You like to, <laughs> you like to understand what it is you're up to. And last time we chatted was early 2021, um, and we talked about some of the crashing that you've sure. been doing over the previous couple of seasons. <laughs> and um, you didn't say specifically yeah. at the time, but like reading between the lines, it feels like front end grip was a big struggle for you at that point or something that was kind of common through a lot of those crashes. And I think you would kind of started working on it. You'd had some conversations mm -hmm. with Bryn Atkinson. You've been looking at 40 mil stems and started mm -hmm. to unlock some of that puzzle. But considering yeah. where you've come from then until now, it feels like that's moved on quite a lot in the last uh, year or so. Can you talk us through yeah. like the work that you've been doing? Because you've been been getting yeah. into the data and all sorts of things on a real detailed level, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. It was a slow, yeah, slow process. It took me a long time to figure out. Uh 
unfortunately I was number one test subject. So <laughs> back when I was crashing, I didn't, I didn't understand why it was like, it just kept happening. And for sure there was mistakes beyond just bike setup. I'm not going to say that that was the only problem, but I know now looking back that had I done more work to set the bike up better, basically just have more knowledge on the, on the fact, I think I could have avoided some of those crashes, which is kind of tough to know now, but yeah, some chance encounters with people and you just, the farther you get into it, the more people you talk to and meet and they all have their ideas and you kind of take, take them all in and see which ones you can apply to yourself. And um, when I, when I ran into Brynn in Port Angeles, uh, I think that was 2020. Yeah. That would have been just like pre-pandemic, like January, 2020. Uh, we were just down there for some, some testing. I just got on a Slayer, which was uh, a bigger bike and an intermediary bike between the instinct we had been riding and the altitude that was going to come out. And so I went on that bike because it was just such a big jump in size. And I wanted to get used to that bike just in case the altitude was, yeah, it was just a, it was just a bigger step up and Bryn, whatever, just mentioned something about 40 mil stems just are what you should try to kind of base around. And I was like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Cause at that point I've been on a 32 because all well, this bike is so big. I need to shorten my front end and then tried the 40 and definitely changed my body position, but I felt really good on that bike. Um, it allowed me to just kind of charge a bit harder. And then it took me a bit to find the balance of like the full and half position with the kind of the longer bike. But once I figured it out, I felt, I felt really good on that bike. And I, and I really enjoyed that. I raced that uh, on off through that Crankwork summer series once we had racing back going that summer. Um, and then I was quickly onto the altitude after that. So I took that, what I learned there, even going to a bigger bike, just like make that 40 mil stem work because it helps me who, I, I don't know, I guess I would describe it like I get ahead of myself sometimes in, in my riding style and I go really fast and I come into a corner and I, I might just like <laughs> set myself up for disaster. So I need to like <laughs> m- make sure that things are like set up so that when I come into that situation, I have a little bit more forward pressure on my front wheel and then I don't wash my front end. So I feel like that helped, helped quite a lot. And then, uh, obviously did well that season on, on the bike and then following season again, just throwing myself into the testing. I, I was just trying to find the optimum balance of head angle reach numbers and, and things like that. And works components actually made me really sick cause I was using the angle set for the longest time. And I was like, hey, can you make me an angle set reach adjust that like shortens the reach and keeps my head angle the same? Because I felt like I was just a little bit stretched out still. And they did that. It was just a beautiful piece of like CNC aluminum, which I like (laughs) thought was so cool. And I tried to make that work. I went like because we had those two races in in a week. So we had two races in Kanazai, like Wednesday and Saturday or whatever. And then the same thing in Latwil. So I was like, man, this is perfect to test setups like race one and then race the other and then do the same the following week and learn some things there I was I was like third fourth 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 so I was very consistent and nothing like really uh made it like I wasn't like making a bad choice I guess I mean I wasn't able to like really uh progress my speed because I was changing things but I didn't like make it too bad. So that was good. Um, but I learned some things there as well. Uh, I tried to use like a, because of the lowest stack height of the thing that works made me, I had to shorten my front travel to 
160 mils, which uh-huh. I felt was actually kind of hard to make work. So that was uh, too bad. But uh, yeah, and then uh, <clears throat> so that that was like the hardest thing about that reach angle. I thought it was going to be really good, and then I had to run the 160 mil for it just to like offset the geo changes in it. I mean, the problem was I tried that setup at Latwil, which is one of the fastest, steepest, and roughest tracks that we do. And I just remember like blowing through travel like crazy. And I was like, okay, I, I can't do this. And then I pretty much was like, okay, that was a fun experiment. I'm going to stop for now and like finish my race season and not change too much. And then uh, finish that season. And then going into the off season, <clears throat> I made another change where I shortened my rear end. And once I'd done that, I thought it was all good. But then as soon as I got onto the telemetry, which was basically late late off season last year uh i noticed it, it basically told me my balance was a bit off and so once i like delved into that got my balance right got my suspension set up right and then made one more i made like a ride nine geometry change on our on our rocky which was what uh those those that flip chip that does like nine different positions but i changed it one and it was just this like light bulb moment in terms of like my riding ability, it was just like made one slight adjustment from position two to position three. And I was like, yeah, okay, that's it. Like, I just felt like I had the perfect balance of sitting back, letting the bike eat and then being able to get over the front end and corner. And then I didn't change a single thing pretty much that whole 2022 season. So yeah, long couple of year process, but <laughs> we figured it out and it feels really good that it worked, you know, like to win the overall in 2022 feels like all of that work wasn't for not so yeah it was yeah cool. what was the what was the change that that flip chip made then that kind of switched it all on for you it's just like the slightest geometry change it sounds crazy but it would basically that thing alters the whole bike so it's it was i would say <clears throat> uh like maybe 0.2 or 0.3 of a degree head angle steeper uh and then the reach would have grown a tiny bit but it would have shortened my real wheelbase would have done all those things basically just to make the bike a bit steeper um yeah and change my body position just that that tiny bit um and i think with maybe how i was running my suspension that just kind of helped that extra little bit so it was good yeah yeah and you've done a lot of work with the motion instruments data acquisition as well coming into the 2022 season yeah yeah, that's what it, that's what the telemetry was like. Just finding my balance, and that was like <clears throat> the biggest benefit right from the get go. Is just seeing. Like it takes a while with that stuff to understand what you're seeing. It's it's the, the information's given to you very in a like very organized but raw way, which I I really like. But you have to understand what you're looking at, and then <clears throat> understand what makes sense to you and what you want to kind of go after and and make work. So. Um, that was really cool. And then I would use it. Yeah. I just used it to just gather data on certain, certain trails and terrain. And then if I go to races, I'd probably run it in practice just to like see where I was compared to what I know is the numbers that I like. And then I, I wouldn't always change something, but sometimes I would just mentally be like, Oh, like, okay, we're, it's a bit flatter here. So I'll change, change something. So. Yeah. What are the, what are the sort of key, uh, elements that you're looking at in that motion instruments then because there's quite a few things that it gives you and if you, you can't it's kind of hard to take it all in i guess so like are there certain uh parts of that that you yeah. have found really useful yeah i would say like dynamic sag so basically kind of like your ride your ride height uh i really liked fork and shock movement just to see 
just to make sure they're both working as much as they can and and taking as much of the trail feedback away from me. Uh, and then kind of the speeds of compression and rebound, just making sure they're in a good general area, which is generally just pretty fast. <laughs> but yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was just a kind of dynamic, dynamic sag and balancing fork and travel um, movement was kind of my two favorite things. Yeah. Is that dynamic sag helping you ensure that you've got that weighted front end that you find works for you? Is that something you've mm-hmm. kind of been able to see switch on and off as you've changed things a bit? Yeah. So that was when I put the put the motions on first. I want to say my fork, I mean, and I'm not going to remember these numbers exactly, but shock is pretty close, like 25, 30% sag, and then maybe like around 30 and above for dynamic. And then the fork I remember was just like below 20 in terms of dynamic. And so for static, it was maybe 15 to 20, which is uh-huh. within range. And then just when yeah. I was, once I was riding the position I was in, I was definitely just a little bit kind of choppered out. Um, and so yeah. as soon as I lowered my fork pressure a bunch and then kind of changed uh, compression and rebound to account for that. And then once I did that, it just felt like I was way more over the front. And I think with, the bigger bike for me um that was fine i had the disability of like the front wheel weight in front of me that i could lower that fork pressure and then get my weight over that front wheel so that was it was a good balance yeah and it gives you the graph in there that shows you like front to rear balance on the bike do you did you find that you could feel mm-hmm. a difference between a bike that was well balanced and that wasn't like, like how would you describe the different feelings yeah, I think if you just, I mean, I don't know that I, because you get so used to your setup, that was, that was kind of the problem. That's why I really like the data because it is, uh, unbiased, I guess. It's just, it's just what it is. So I felt good on my bike. I would say like, I, I thought I was riding well and that was, that was, that was fine because I'm just so used to what my, my, my like positives and negatives are in terms of my riding. I was like, okay, I can go down steep things in a straight line really quickly, but I kind of suck at cornering. So that was just what I thought is the truth, which is, which is true. And then I look at the data, I'm like, Oh, like, okay, like maybe I can change my suspension to change my balance and maybe that'll help some things. And, and it kind of did exactly that. It just maybe force me to ride a little bit different, like change my, my body geometry a bit in the way that I ride, but it just also allowed me to attack a bit more and corner better, which for me, it was huge. Yeah. So the corner in improvement has come more from setup than from like practice and skill. Is that fair or mm-hmm. yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I practice every time I go out and ride and then I've, gone and done some cone drills and stuff and that that's only so good because you're in such a controlled environment so as soon as you start racing things just go out the window you know it's like it's so hard to remember the perfect body position you're supposed to be in when you're like at max heart rate going down this super straight shoot scared as hell coming into this corner like you're not going to remember to like hip hinge and like turn your hips and aggressive like make your elbows aggressive like it just doesn't happen like that so the bike setup to me was like building a bike that would save me when i couldn't save myself so yeah that's kind of the the way that i've turned it and i, and I think it worked yeah and it looks like you've built a bike that's relatively soft from a compression perspective like i've seen some slow-mo footage of you compared to some other riders 
at similar mm. like levels and it looks like you've got the bike set up pretty open on the compression is that is that a fair assessment yeah and it's this is this is the thing where like i'm still developing a full picture of why i guess why that is and and what uh influence bike kinematics have and bike sizing has i think that my bike if you look at me jack and richie the ratio of bike size to person size is so different between the three of us, yeah. especially like if you go from me to Jack. So I think that the the super soft suspension and that like low front end, everything is just that works because my bike is big. So I have a lot of front center on my bike or like front room on my bike where I can make my fork soft. And even if I'm diving and blowing through travel, <clears throat> I still have, like, I'm not going to be going over the bars because I still have so much uh, wheel in front of me. So I think there's a lot to be said about, I've figured out now, oh, I figured out the setup for that bike. And then with a different bike, it's going to be a different setup. I think like, it's not a one size kind of fits all. It's you got to kind of, yeah, figure it out for your your bike, your riding style. Um, so it's it's going to change now, which is a little bit <laughs> overwhelming. But uh, yeah, I was we'll glad talk. to have figured it out. That was a that was a long three year, long three year process for that that altitude. And luckily, it's a good bike from the from the get go. Like I had success on it right away. And then I was just finding how to. I just feel like I with the with the data and and my myself i was able to really like maximize what that bike could offer and uh that was pretty it was a pretty fun fun adventure yeah yeah so you must have felt pretty confident i guess coming into 2022 because you had a good 21 season and it feels like you found more gains mm -hmm. in the bike coming into the season we kicked off in inlethan which was a pretty mm -hmm. much perfect weekend like the trails were in good condition the weather was kind to us uh, in the end and uh it took second place to richie how mm -hmm. how did that feel like second place at the first round is awesome but yet again like richie's mm -hmm. one step ahead and it, it it's kind of ominous isn't it when someone like richie's on form yeah so i mean backing up end of 2021 season i was second uh at the last three races or four races so second to different people three or four times in a row and i was just by the end of that one, it's funny because we finished in Italy in end of 2021 and second is great, but you're still kind of losing. And I was really fed up with it at that point, <laughs> but coming into 2022 expectations, goals, they all kind of changed, but I was stoked to get second. I thought like for me, just being, just being there and knowing that I'm close was, was good enough. I didn't want to come out and like set the world on fire and win right away. I wasn't like upset i guess i had a whole lot of season to think about it but uh so i was i was stuck with second and like richie's obviously richie and i know that that race was super tight i made one i basically made one more mistake than he did i had one crash i think i had two he had one and i lost by like four or five seconds so you can't really be upset it was that racing is so tight um so i was i was stuck with that and yeah we had the perfect weekend those trails were just ripping so it was it was super fun <laughs> Yeah. How was it having Inners out with you on the lap? Because he qualified super well, sort of surprised everyone, mm -hmm. I guess, that didn't know quite how fast he is. Um, and I spoke to him afterwards and he'd loved yeah. like riding around with you and Richie and like seeing how you guys approach mm -hmm. stuff and getting a few tips and stuff. What was it what was it like having Inners with you? Yeah, it was it was it was really funny. It was fun. He's a super cool guy, super nice and fun. It's always fun to hang out with someone different. And that's the, the really cool thing about Enduro is 
I can think not of like kind of the races that I've had, but of who I've spent time with at the races. Like I remember, I think it was AIMSA Spain in like 20, I don't know, 16. And me and Wynn were around each other and we spent the whole day together. And it was like such a fun day because we just like <laughs> had this huge chat about everything. And Wynn's like such a cool guy. And I was like, that's so special that, you know, I know, I know when well now, but we don't hang out that much. But when you're, when you're like back to back on a EWS, like you you hang out this guy like for six hours. So uh, those are, that's really cool. That's what, one thing I really love about the sport. So yeah, I got to hang out with Dennis all day and, and yeah, he's super rad and learn about his story. And it was, it was funny because he, I guess I, I view people I don't know. I don't make judgments, whatever. I just, I, I guess I just assumed that he was this enduro guy. That's like, he's coming out. He's going to do this whole big thing. And he was just kind of so fresh and asked so many questions. And I was like, <laughs> wow, it's crazy. Like I've been here for, for 10 years and I've actually learned quite a lot over the years, like, and, and have a lot of experience, I guess, where all the questions he was asking were questions that I had so long ago. And I was like, Oh, like, I'm just so happy to answer them because I was like, I know this, I know this answer. And then, <laughs> I didn't really feel like I shouldn't be answering these. Like he's my competition, I guess, but I didn't, I was just like, this is fun to kind of have these answers. And then later I think I thought like, maybe I like shouldn't tell him everything that I know, but I don't know. It was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> awesome. Good stuff. And then we were on from there to Petson, your first win of the season. Um, Richie back in second. I yeah. think that did that put you into the overall lead at that point as well? it's i think maybe for Kenza, yeah i think so mm. yeah 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 that one was good i mean that one i was so i was i was stoked relieved i guess relieved did you feel like a pressure or what what was where was the relief coming from just finally winning finally but finally being in front it's just like i said being second or third on the podium is great but you you're constantly being told that you're not like the best like you put everything out there and you're just you're really good but you, you know you didn't win uh and I'm, I'm not saying you're being told by anybody i wasn't being told by people i'm just saying that like life like the situation tells you you know you're you're not winning uh so winning that one was was really good i i didn't i approach it any different than scotland like it was the same thing i didn't put myself out there like any further and that was what felt so good about it it was like i i'd I felt like I was riding and had been riding so well. And I just kept on being not frustrated, but just like, man, I just feel like how can people keep, keep be going faster than me? And, and then I finally had that one. I was like, okay, like it is just, we are all really, really good. And there's just these, like this tiniest thing separating us. So you can't really, I don't know. You just, you just take it, take it as it is. And, and, uh, I think that one, I guess, just suited my strengths in a way, which is surprising because that one was some of the longest, roughest stages. And I've always struggled with arm pump pretty bad. And I did a lot working with Tara and, and my bike setup just to really try to manage my arms for those stages. And I was I think that's what I was so stoked about is I, I, I tried so hard to just manage that first stage. And I won that pro stage by like 14 seconds or something, I think eight or 14 seconds. So that one, that one just felt good. It just felt good to just to be on top, I guess. So yeah, it was a, it was a relief to finally win right after since 2020 and a lot of a lot of seconds and a lot of 
podium. So for sure, Tara's the team was the team physio at Rocky. What kind of stuff were you doing with her on mm-hmm. arm pump? Then is it about like maximizing recovery or how, how yeah, all things? That? I mean, that's yeah. a, she's she's good in that because she has so much knowledge from so many different areas. And so she, you know, it's, it's not just, you know, massage your arms that like you think it's like, but it is ice your arms and we're doing acupuncture and she's doing massage. And then she's talking about like the mental thing and it's your breathing. And it's just like, it's all, it's just a whole picture thing. Um, and so that was super helpful. And I think I still got arm pump, like for sure. I could not, there was one section at the bottom of that stage where if it wasn't for thumbs and the way that they're angled, I would have blown my hands. You saw Richie blow his hands off. Like we legitimately cannot hold on to the handlebars. And I was just using my thumb joints to like keep my hand on my handlebar from blowing off. Like it's kind of wild how fast we go when we get to that situation. (laughs) It's impressive. Have Have you found things in your bike setup that have helped with it? Like that's such a puzzle for everyone, I think. And I guess, the answer is probably different from most people, but mm-hmm. were there certain things that you really found made a difference for yeah. you? Yeah, I. So it happened really bad to me in finale. Uh, I don't know what year that was. Uh, four or five years ago, there's a stage that we did. We we haven't done it since, and it's like you know a roller coaster is like the really long stage. There's this trail called, I think it's. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it goes off to the left and we haven't raced it since that year, but it was just like steep, so rocky, so gnarly. And I got such bad arm pump and I, and I lost like a minute on that stage. And I was like, that just really pissed me off. And I, I've, I've lost time before, but that one was just so bad. So I went into this whole off season of basically handlebars, grips, like just trying to find a way to minimize the impact through my hands. And so that's what started the whole thing and why I was running super old. Everyone always <clears throat> asks what handlebars I've been running. And I guess now I can say I was, I was running old Eastern handlebars from 2015 that were like manufactured at 750 mils, <laughs> which is actually gives them proper flex rather than this 800 mil bar cut to whatever I run it at. Um, and then I was running, yeah, yeah. these uh, super, super sticky grips. So I could, I could take the time when I when I felt like there was a a gap between let's say rough sections I could really let go and be kind of just stuck to my grips a little bit more. Um, so there was there was that, and then obviously just the bike and setup thing where you have the confidence to you're not having a grip all the time, you know. And that's that's what Tara kind of told me is you know just take stock of like just think, come back to yourself, and like stop gripping because for the most part, yeah, there are times when you have to be like, obviously maneuvering your bike, but if you can just like take a little breather, so. Easier said than done for sure, but there you go. Yeah, exactly. And be, be careful. If anyone is listening to this, uh, don't just be taking your hands off on a super rough section. <laughs> Very yeah. true. Yeah. Don't relax your grip too much. So yeah, we had that first in Petson gives the confidence, the second in Valda Fassa to, to Richie. Um, but I think it was Whistler probably that really started to cement that overall and a great place mm-hmm. for you to take a victory, huh? Like a hometown win. Yeah, that one was, uh, well, that was a roller coaster of a day because I flatted and that really, that was a really high to really low to a really high. But uh, that was, 
a super fun race. I've, I've said this before that all I want to do is have a, have a good race in Whistler. Like not, not to say that I want to win. I just want to have a race where I'm having fun and can like give the crowds a show because they're all really stoked to watch me race and I'm stoked to race in front of them. Um, so that's why when I, when you flat and like, it just takes it away from you. It's just kind of shitty. Like mechanicals suck in general. Um, but I've done well, surprisingly on the pro stage, which was just super bike parky and not what I've like actually grown up in contrary to what most people would, would believe, but I was an XC kid in Whistler. So I didn't really ride the bike park as a kid. Uh, so I was stoked on that. That was a really good start. And then I knew that most of the stages suited me well. So I just had to ride just well, I probably rode like a little bit above where I should have, uh, cause I was just so excited and feeling so good on my bike. Um, and then going to that, that longest stage, I think it was stage three or four, I think four, stage four, super long stage. And I'd started it pretty slow just to like manage my effort. And then all of a sudden three quarters of the way down, I like, I just riding over some piece of trail and just flatted. And I was like, I just couldn't, you just have such disbelief. <laughs> you're just, you're just like, why? So it sucks. Luckily I had a cush core in there. So I guess my thought was try to try to manage it so the rim doesn't get too messed up and I can maybe continue and then there's a bunch of bike park left so I had to like pedal really hard because you're obviously riding on a flat tire so that was super physical um and I didn't lose luckily like that stage is pretty long and I'd ridden it I thought I thought I'd ridden it really well until that point so I didn't lose that much time and then I had a bunch of friends uh kind of at the bottom of the stage and awkwardly watching me not helping me because it, there's no outside assistance and they're just like uh like like we can't help you and i was like yeah yeah it's fine like i had luckily I had a lot of races <clears throat> help me so they i got a lot of uh tire plugs and pumps and co2s from people um so just thanks everyone who helps out because like generally that is what happens like if if we can we'll give whatever we have to someone who's had a mechanical and you know that I'll, you'll give away your CO2 or your plugs and know that like, if you have an issue, someone else will kind of like pass along. So it's kind of nice how that works. Cause nice. we're all, we're all self sufficient and prepared, but sometimes you run into things that just, I put eight tire plugs in my tire. Like I don't have eight tire plugs. I have like three or four. So <laughs> it was, uh, it was a big mess, but I got that fixed. Um, you're sweating, you're hot. Everyone's looking at you. You're fixing your tire, not knowing if it's going to work. And then not knowing if you should put a tube in. So I didn't put a tube in because I was like, well, I'll try to plug it because I saw the hole in the top. And then I plugged that with like three or four because it was huge. And then noticed that once I tried to CO2 it, there was a, it was a pinch. So there was a, there was holes on the, on the sidewall as well. So I put like two or three more in there, pumped it up. And I was like, okay, I'll like, I'll ride it up the transfer. And if it holds there, great. If it doesn't, I'll put a tube in um, just because from experience as soon as you put a tube in, you're just going to flop the next stage. Like it's just tubes, <laughs> tubes yeah. don't work for, for what we do. Um, so yeah, it worked. I had to like hustle that transfer stage and it was again, super hot, super steep stage. And I was just like trying to manage an effort that I wasn't going to blow up as that, but <clears throat> going pretty hard. And then it's, eventually I saw Matt Walker ahead of me. I was like, okay, like I'm close. I'm going to like make it. Cause you're, you don't know the timing exactly. It's always hard to know. Like you just remember it differently. You're like, you practice it and you're like, yeah, it took that long. And then once you're in the race, you're like, shit, like, did it take that long? Like, I have no idea how long this actually takes. <laughs> and so <clears throat> it's always a lesson of like, maybe it's a good idea to 
know exactly how long it took you, but it just doesn't always translate that well. So I was just, and I'm just kind of an anxious yeah. person. So I was just like, yeah, I just go really hard until I know like, okay, I've, I'll make it. And so I got up there with like three or four minutes or a decent amount of time to like, okay, catch my breath, <clears throat> get some gloves on, get my, get my goggles on. And then stood at the stage and just hilariously like <laughs> forgot. <laughs> forgot that I had like a flat tire and I was supposed to be managing it and just like went back wild over this first feature. And I was like, Oh yeah, shit. Like I got to <laughs> calm down here. Cause you're just like, you're kind of running a little bit of a adrenaline where like you just, everything's pumped up and I don't know. So I just, I was like, okay, like calm down. It was a super gnarly stage. Like rad don't slide is one of the steepest and rudiest in Whistler. And <clears throat> I knew that I had pretty good lines. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to, ride it very controlled and just hit all my lines and, and make sure I don't like basically blow up. Cause it's really easy on that stage to kind of lose, get out of control. Cause it's so steep. And if you like miss one breaking point, you'll like just kind of mess up the next thing. So I was like pretty precise getting on my lines, managing my arms on that one. Cause it was so steep <laughs> and getting closer to the bottom. Like I kept on feeling like my tire was flat, but it's just that ground was so soft. So I was like, I kept on just having this like, ah, oh, shit, like it's flat. Ah, oh, shit, it's flat. And it's not. And I was like, okay, like I can go. And I think that really helped manage my effort on that stage. And so I didn't blow up. And then getting closer to the bottom, more of my friends were there. Saw my brother and my dad. And I was like pretty hyped because they're screaming pretty loudly. So I, yeah, I just rode faster and faster on that stage. And that was, that was really cool. And I ended up winning that one. So that was a really cool comeback. And I felt just... I felt just grateful that my tire held there. I was like, that's nice that I was able to ride that stage because that's what I'm saying. I just want to be able to ride for the people. So that was that was fun. And then on to the last stage, again, I was like just trying to be, I guess, grateful of how far I've made it because I was going to the bike park where if a tire was not going to hold up, it was going to be there. Like we're doing these big, like we're in that new 1199 DH track and it was like, Hucks, big hucks, like a 20 foot step down to a massive step up where the G forces are huge. And I was like, I feel like the plugs are just going to blow out on this, this like 40 foot step up. So I just was like, <clears throat> whatever. I, I've accepted that if it goes flat, I've already done a great job. You know, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So again, you, you put your mind into that. And then farther and farther you get, the more and more stoked you get. And I able, like, made it to the bottom and I was just so relieved and. Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate that Richie flatted as well. So I think I have no idea how that race would have ended if he didn't flat, but just the way it played out. I think the best thing, as shit as it was for Richie, the best thing was that Richie, uh, Remy got on the podium. So that was that was super special. So yeah, that's very cool. Nice to have your teammate up there, and it puts you in a strong position for the overall. And then followed up with a third in Burke, a win in Sugarloaf, and then the last couple of races, like the results dropped down a bit. Was that a conscious thing from your side to wind it back in a little bit and just stay safe to the end of the season or were there other things going uh, on that impacted that? Yes. And yes. And no. Well, there's that big crash. That was, I, I think that I did go into crans and I was not feeling, I, I was feeling fine, but the trails there are really uh, varied. It's like the bike park stuff is really sick. And then it's like half that and half just grass taping over random stuff, which is just not, it's so weird and hard to ride and hard to feel good on. So you just, 
these two like polar opposites of riding sick bike park trails and then just basically riding what people take through a farmer's field so it's very different and i just didn't get into the flow for that race and so i was just like trying to manage where i was riding fast and where i wasn't uh, and i was actually in i think i was in third for that day until my massive crash and i'm sure everyone's seen because it was the sickest filming ever by Nico in the drone. So uh, that <laughs> yeah, that upset effort. that upset that race. But I think I would I think I would have finished on a podium, which like wasn't a goal at all. But I'm I'm bummed. Like I had a six for six podiums that year going, and I would have had seven, and then maybe I could have had eight, and that would have been really cool. But that was just minor laps and judgment, which is what all crashes are. Like there was just I actually just saw a longer clip of it, which he got, but it was like this kind of step up into like a slight bank coming down to that where that where I bucked off that rock and I basically <clears throat> again got ahead of myself a little bit where I went up step up and I was like just trying to be very efficient and carry speed because it was a long stage and I like hit the bank and just didn't try so hard to get out of the bank when you kind of had to because you had to get farther riders left to avoid the big big rock crevice that I hit <clears throat> so I just I, and I was like oh like shit I didn't get out left enough and I was like, well, whatever, I'll just, I guess I'll just go over this rock and like just trying to be very calm about it because I'm trying not to race too over my head. And then, yeah, I just got bucked off that thing. And thankfully, that crash went about as good as it could have because it could have been really bad. But I like just broke <laughs> my fall huge. a little bit. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny because I came down after that and telling everyone like, oh, I just had the biggest crash, like in so long and you kind of think like am i exaggerating that and then i saw the footage and i was like yeah that was that was scary like it could have been it could have been really bad like i got lucky that i landed kind of on the back side of that embankment so it it definitely took a lot of the energy of my fall i didn't just like slap on the ground I, I kind of was able to talk and roll and get out of it and yeah i remember like it was it's just one of those things where you it's a huge crash and you're just shook but immediately i just snapped here and i was like i cannot spend time like on the ground i i have like i i for sure thought of the overall and i was like okay i need to get on my bike and just see where i'm at and so i just like you see me running back to my bike i get on it and then i like take some deep breaths i'm like okay like am i broken because i've done it before like in in canada when i broke my ankle <clears throat> i like crashed adrenaline hit you just i went to hop on my bike and my foot just like like my leg just gave out. So like, I knew like, okay, that's bad. So same idea. I was like, get on my bike and I'm just waiting, waiting for like pain to show itself. And I looked down at my hand and it's like full of blood. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, I'll try to hold on and see what happens. Um, and then to make matters worse, I flatted on that stage. So that sucked. <laughs> and then, uh, but I got to the bottom. I definitely thought my hand was broken because it was just like pretty painful, super bloody, all like ripped up but <clears throat> big shout out to those hand guards because while those i think are what cut like those split my hand open they actually like it was a very clean clean split which is why i think that was the hand guard like it wasn't i wasn't shredded at all which you look at that crash it's all rock like i should have been my hand if that was the first thing to hit the ground should have just been like ripped apart but it was just like a neat split right on my right on my knuckle which was kind of sketchy so the doctor thought like i could have maybe severed a tendon so I had to like keep an eye on it, but he stitched it up. It was all good. Um, my helmet was destroyed, but Tara, like I, I obviously just went straight and just 
didn't do much like no screens for a day or two and Tara Tara managed me and a couple of days later I mean we I think we tested not right away because she said there's no really point so the next day we did and I all my symptoms cleared and then I just took the whole week off basically because we had a race the next weekend and I was just main main concern was just riding it because I didn't want to like leave it up to chance whether or not Richie had enough points to beat me so made things a little bit harder than they could have been <laughs> how how did you feel coming into Ludovia then were you was your body up for it uh not really I had uh some like rib pain and I at that like throughout the week I couldn't really my hand was just really sore and I was like okay well I'm just gonna have to like can't like pull on things and I just had to ride it very easy and then once I got into practice actually I was like okay like half of the practice I was like, it's not so bad. Like I couldn't, I'll be fine. So it, it was like the whole week leading up to it. I was like, I wasn't sure, like really wasn't sure. And then just because you're not, you're trying not to test it because there's no point and you're just going to make it worse. So I just had to wait and be patient. And um, thankfully it was, was not too bad. So I was able to ride pretty well. Yeah. And a relief in the end to take that overall at the end of a season with some big ups, but like you say, a few downs as well. Yeah, it was it was a really fun season because I, I felt like it was a proper battle. Like it was just me and Richie went one, two for the first three of I don't know how many races and we we're just podiuming on all of them. And it was like definitely just just me and him kind of going back and forth. And it was fun to be a part of that. In my head, honestly, I I was like, I'm I'm battling Richie, who's won it at like, I don't know, three times, two times and I was like, well, he's got more experience than I do. He's just really good. So I didn't think that I was going to be able to do it. Obviously, like, I, I did think that I could, but I was just like, well, it's Richie. Like, it's whatever. I just want to have a good season. And so I was really happy. It sucked. He had also an up and down season where, like, he got injured in uh, in Sugarloaf. So it kind of – I didn't realize – I just didn't let, my, let myself think that, like, he was actually – that injured like I just wasn't going to let anything change my game plan and just race the same way that I've been racing um so I, I maybe I could have even taken my foot off the gas a little bit but he still raced really well in in both trans and Lunaville even though he was like pretty injured so um yeah, it was a tough season good and hard season for both of us and I will say that I'm very glad that I came out on top obviously but it's just one of those things where you you put so much work into it and to, to, to just not do it would have sucked. Richie's had it done it a couple times. So I do feel a little bit bad that he got second, but I know if I had gotten second, I would have just been like another so close yet not quite. So I'm I'm really stoked to have done it and like have that cemented next to my name because I have that 2020 like unofficial overall, um, which I definitely like that is what it is, but this is obviously a lot more legit and uh, took a lot more effort. So no, I think it's, uh, I'm really stoked. It was, it was, it was really, really good. Awesome. And I, I'm going to move on and talk a little bit about coffee. And there is a, there is a good reason for that. But first up, you were on the podcast <laughs> back the first time in 2018. And I asked you about coffee then, cause Remy was super into it, your teammate. And you said that you were into it. It's nice to have a nice coffee, but you didn't have a fancy machine or anything like that. And that's, yeah. uh, that's kind of changed since then, hasn't it? What's the, what's the home setup these days? Yeah, Remy, it's funny, like, 
I always think that if it wasn't for Remy, I, I probably still would be that way. But it's great because I do really appreciate it now. And yeah, I, I think, uh, was that 20, 2021, I think, because I maxed all my bonuses. I was like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy myself a coffee machine. So yeah, I got a full full rocket set up. It's not like not it's not as nice as Remy's. He's got a dual boiler. I've just got a heat exchanger, but it's super nice. I'm I'm stoked on it. And it it does bring me joy every morning <clears throat> to make a really nice cup of coffee. My roommates love it. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh it's been it's it's been really cool. And it's yeah, it's it's hasn't ruined me for coffee. Like I'll still go to I don't know if we're in like doing our doing our road trips and we're just staying in Best Westerns and get the continental breakfast. Like I still love waking up to a cup of whatever coffee comes in <laughs> a dark liquid. So that's fine. <laughs> but I do enjoy trying to like extract the best coffee at home. So it's yeah, it's it's nice. Good balance. Interesting. Yeah, and coffee's uh I would say pretty much as complicated as getting your bike set up once you start getting into that rabbit hole. How how deep yeah. have you gone? Not again. I'm like years years behind Remy, but like I feel like I want to give it time where I enjoy every step of the way. But it's true. You start talking to people about how how in depth you can get, and they just like they kind of look at you like really like <laughs> there's no way you can like actually taste this. But <laughs> I feel like the the best I've gotten the pre like the pre extraction pretty dialed. Like I have this really cool catch cup that like funnels it all into my port of filter and then you have to have a really good wdt tool because that like really draws up the the grounds and then the tamping and then all that stuff but i think that's like the important step remy bought me like the super nice uh shower screen and basket that are like my like laser laser uh i don't know like just better holes basically more more uniform and spread out yeah. so it's just more even extraction yeah it's it's crazy but the next thing i think he has like a flow control thing on his on his machine so i think i can add that to mine so that might be next they have kind of like those things where you you just we're not we're not one-upping because like he's just does it and i'm like oh that looks cool and then i'll do it but it's just like you know trying to like one-up each other so it's funny that another friend of ours uh also has just bought himself a an espresso machine and set up so we're just we're just getting people into it we should definitely be reps for for one of these companies i feel like <laughs> for sure but this coffee machine uh either nearly got you in a little bit of trouble or gave you the best trolling <laughs> opportunity ever when someone um, managed to spot you wearing a canyon t-shirt in the reflection mm. of the chrome when you posted a bit of a lifestyle coffee shot on your instagram was was yeah. that a, a mistake initially or was this the start of the trolling uh i wish i mean yeah like it, i it wasn't the first thing that i had done let's just say that so uh and people didn't catch on <laughs> the other ones so yeah i mean but i honestly i would i would never i'm not the type of person to openly do something like that i feel and i think most people know that but that would have been too much like as a as a negative to Rocky and my current sponsors who like it's all this whole transition, which I'm sure we'll talk about has been very amicable and it's all been great. And I, and I wouldn't like jeopardize that or do anything to <clears throat> upset them. So it wasn't entirely intentional. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Amazing. But you did follow up with various other bike brand t-shirts to keep the I internet did, guessing. It was, I did, it was a lot of fun. Do you, enjoy, do you enjoy wading into that stuff? Yes. When it's, I mean, it's changed. I've, I've followed that thread for a long time. Uh, and we're talking about like the vital MTB rumors thread, which is hilarious what people can get. And then once I was a part of it, I was, I was like a little bit, I understood the other side of it where it's like, okay, there's actually a lot more that goes into these things and you have to be respectful of contracts and, and people and the plans. And I think it's a fun game, but on the other side, it's like, you know, there are people on the other side of this that you, I mean, you can't really get too upset because whatever they find that you put out there. So that's fine. You know, like I, I'm not upset that anyone posted that because I made the mistake first of putting it on there, but it is like, okay, like I'm trying to manage things here. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit interesting. And then I just went into it cause okay. Like I, I talked to Rocky and they were like, I'm not stressed about it at all. And I was like, well, thank, thank God. So that was pretty nice of them. And then I just started to like, yeah, feed into it. And it was, it's pretty fun. Yeah, for sure. Cause everyone, <clears throat> and I, and I wish I could have just said, but, I'm just waiting for when Canyon wants to release it. So it's not like I can just tell the people. Like I, I think they don't maybe understand how, I, I mean, I don't know what Canyon's waiting for either, but they're waiting for something. So yeah. <laughs> Funny stuff. Let's talk about that team move then. Cause you'd either been riding a Rocky mountain uh, or racing Rocky mountain for 16 years. I think when mm -hmm. did you, kind of start thinking maybe it was time for a change and like how does that process happen do people come to you do you start looking for for deals like how does it all work i mean it's it's not the first time and i think that's an important thing to to say is you know people might see that oh he won the overall and then gets a good offer and leaves you know i've, I've had people come to me almost every year many different teams uh and i've had pretty far along conversations a lot of times and it's just never felt right. Um, I think I've been very lucky with when my contracts have expired because either I've won or like I've had a really good season and, and it was never like an injury season. It was always like a good season. So I've always gone through these processes. Um, <clears throat> I've talked to some really amazing teams and, and had really good opportunities. And I've always felt like I wasn't, I wasn't, I just didn't feel like I was ready to, move on because at the time we were building this really great team at Rocky and I felt like I wasn't quite done done there yet and I think looking back that was a good decision because it allowed us to really with Rocky's help create this very high level team which is and it's funny because six years ago I was talking to a team that like to me was the pinnacle of teams and they were just just the best and I was like okay that like yes if this is an option that's where I want to go because I've always been very performance based and I just want to do really well. <clears throat> um, and then that didn't really work out. And then fast forward five or six years and we've built a team that everyone's kind of like trying to emulate and is really stoked on. So I think that was really cool. So, and I've talked to Fabian at Canyon every one of those times and he's given me very honest advice, which I've always appreciated. So like we've known each other as, as, as friends for a long time. Um, since he was racing 10, 10 years ago. Um, and then this time came around and just felt, felt different. I felt like I'd, I'd achieved everything that I wanted to at Rocky. Uh, and I'd, I'd given them as much as they'd given me. And I just felt like 
it was time. It was a good time, obviously, like perfect opportunity to 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 get an offer is winning the overall. So like I'm not gonna not gonna say that it wasn't, but uh it just yeah, it just felt it just just felt good. And I felt like what Kenny was offering was just so much more of what aligns with me as a racer from a performance standpoint. I think, you know, Rocky's obviously just they're a small brand. They can't do that much. And they've, they've done an amazing job with us up to this point. Um, and I just wanted to take that a step further. And really, if I'm going to do this, which I am, and I put everything into it already, I want to go to a brand that is going to put more than I do into it. And that's kind of the biggest thing is up until this point, I've done so much of it on my own. Like I had a trainer and then I figured out that I train really well on my own. Like I don't struggle for motivation and I'm really good at keeping myself disciplined um, and then we're talking about like bike setup and a lot of that stuff. Like it's all kind of just me. Like I said, Rocky makes a great bike at its base and they've done as much as they can to help us. You know, like they made us some custom rear end chips and some custom rad nine chips, but that's kind of, it's just little tweaks here and there. And they've, they have been good at always doing every, as much as they can. Um, but Canada's just offering just a bigger program with, just more more focused on performance, which aligned more with what I was what I was wanting, and so that was kind of the biggest thing. And it was really scary; it wasn't an easy easy decision by any means. Uh, it was really tough to obviously leave kind of the team that that I was a part of because they're my best friends, and it's fun to travel with them. But yeah, it was uh, just felt like it was time. Sounds good. Are you able to do much like due diligence? I guess it would be called in the business world. Like, do you get much chance to? to swing your leg over the bikes before you put pen to paper and sign a contract? Uh, yes and no. I think I could have, but I didn't really need to. Um, there's more information will be clear at some point, I'm sure. But yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, it wasn't, that wasn't the biggest part of it. You know, there's, there's a lot of benefits to, to making the, the team switch. And so it wasn't just like, I knew the bike worked well, like last year, all three of those guys were in the top six and then still, you know, Jack does super well on that bike. So I know that it's, I know that it's a good bike. So I wasn't really worried about that. Um, the component switch was a, a big one. That was tough because I've worked with Fox for so long. Uh, I think Shimano makes great product. Fox makes great product. <clears throat> um, same with race face. Like we've had really good luck with those wheels and everything was like, I think our, our component spec was, wasn't lacking in anything. So that was, that was kind of tough. Cause I was like, well, I don't want to leave any of these brands, but just kind of what happens. And, uh, since then it's been really great working with, uh, Stram Rock Shocks. I just had, I just was actually in Phoenix for a week doing like some basic onboarding where I just learned everything about the product. Cause I obviously know, know nothing. So that was, that was really cool. They're super nice. They're super stoked. And, Obviously, it's funny because consumers will make you believe that one is good or one is bad. And I was like in my head, like, oh, like, you know, it's not going to be good. And then you get on the product and I I obviously did. I did test at the end of the season on the new stuff. And it was just like first round. I was like, oh, it's, it's a bike. It rides. It's fine. Like the brakes work. <laughs> suspension works like it's. <laughs> It's not like, I don't know what I was expecting, but I mean, I was doing back to back testing and yeah, I definitely think my Rocky was obviously more geared towards my style. Like, cause I'd set it up and I had three years to do so, but 
hopping on the canyon first lap, I was like, it's fine. I can ride this bike fast. <laughs> so, yeah. Fair play. And that, that is a big change, though, going from Fox Shimano to SRAM RockShots, especially on the like the brakes and the suspension, I'm guessing, are the, are the biggest elements of that. And it's a pretty short yeah. off-season. Do you feel like yeah. all the work that you've done over the last few years, getting to understand the data side of things more, do you think that is helping you kind of get up to speed quicker with some of those changes? Yeah, I haven't used the data yet just because I've been figuring out what, bike and what setup and everything first and just trying to get comfortable on it just so that i'm not like going too quickly into something um so i haven't i haven't done that yet i've, I've got to install my bike just yesterday so i'll i'm hoping this like this week is when i'll start doing that and getting into that side of things but i definitely think that yes i've i've gone through that process before and i know i can do it in a little bit of a quicker time frame than than i have previously and 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 same thing with that whole change. Like it's, I'm, I'm just a very curious person. I like figuring things out. And I think that was a big draw for me, honestly, is just, I, 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 I achieved the number one spot. That was great. That was what everyone would dream of. And of course I want to do it again, but I also like learning and new experiences. And I think that doing the whole switch is just, I get to interact with a whole bunch of new people, learn about a whole bunch of new product and, just kind of ride different stuff and learn about that and yeah, just learn more experience more. And I think that's, that's really cool. And so far it has been, it's been great. It's, it's different and I've been impressed with it so far. I can't say much about what I've been riding, but it's really sick. So yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked with it for sure. Interesting. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, Canyon is a, a pretty big bike company these days. Do you think you'll have, more opportunity there to be involved in the sort of development side of things as well as the racing side? Is that something you'd be interested to do more of? Potentially. I think at some point for sure. Um, and I've had the same same thoughts at Shan Rock Shocks as well. But um, it's, it's it's part of what I was saying before about how I was doing it all on my own. I've kind of made the choice to relinquish a lot of that control, which has been nice. Like it's it's a lot of pressure to constantly be on myself and train myself and dial in the bike and just do everything where if it doesn't work you're the only one to blame which is how it works most of the time but it is it was just a lot it was kind of overwhelming and i was excited at the prospect of canyon has a exclusive in-house trainer and i was like okay like he has he has experience like it'll be really cool to work with someone and kind of take some of that off my plate and then there's Fabian who's has so much of his own experience with bike setup and, <clears throat> and riding and coaching and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, great. Take some of that off my plate. And then going to Canyon and, the, and their bikes and their engineers and having a dedicated race department. I was like, okay, sweet. Take some of that off my plate. Like, I just feel like I have been able to almost get, get rid of a lot of little things that I had to do and focus more on just being a high performance athlete in, in a more narrow sense, which is going to be nice, I think, going forward. So there might be more to do at Canyon in terms of that. But for now, my my goal and my priority is still racing. And that's what Fabian said. That's why Canyon signed me is that's my job. And that's kind of nice to just step back out of all these things and just be the racer and put everything into that. So it's 
it's kind of really cool to have that because I felt like it at Rocky, I was always having to prove my worth so that I could stay around. And it was, it was taxing at times. Yeah, that's a fair comment. That sounds like an awesome setup. What's the what's the sort of schedule then between now and the first race? Because it's a pretty early start. What have you got planned as far as like testing, training camps? Because kind of where you are, I guess, is not always the best place early in the year to get the work done. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a really hectic month month because, like I was saying, the winter has been pretty brutal. The skiing hasn't been good, <laughs> and it's just been snowing. But it's like it's been snowing a bunch at home, but not actually a good skiing. Like the Abbey risk is super high. So it's kind of like the worst of both worlds. Uh, so I escaped to Tucson for a week of training, came back for Christmas, tried to go to Santa Cruz for some riding. So like for mountain biking and just got rained out. They have like an insane atmospheric river right now. Like it's scary. They have tons of flooding and landslides. It's so we got kind of hosed there, which sucked. And then came back for a few days and then had a testing we planned a SRAM and so that was finally a good successful like four or four four days of just on their product and learning everything dilating with all the people in all the departments and so that was that was pretty huge like they put a lot into that and that really just like kick-started everything I got so far along really quickly and actually I'm, I'm at a place now where okay I've got my race bike for Taz and now it's just like refining so that's a really good place to be in and then, uh, yeah, the thing that Canyon also was like, we'll fly to Europe whenever you want if you just need a testing training camp. And so we have originally started as a one-week trip for a team camp. And then it was a two-week trip to do some training with my trainer. And then now it's a three-week trip to be, there's a race at the end of it. So I think it'll be perfect. I'll go there for some training, do some testing and some team camp stuff. And then culminating, culminating in a race in Europe, which will be really nice preseason before before Tasmania. So it's uh, looking forward to it. It is like an earlier race season where last year we it helped, I think, for us to be later because we get so much more time on the bike in the spring, whereas a March race is like tough for us to get really good, consistent riding in, which is where I think like the Euros always have an advantage. So great that i'm on the euro team now and i get to go to europe so that'll be perfect perfect sounds like a good start and it's it's a year of a lot of change both for you with the team change but it's a year of change for the whole sport as we move over to discovery mm -hmm. and ESO. um and that means enduro is becoming a world cup event which is which is cool um it's also mm -hmm. confirmed i think that all the rounds are going to be one day races and we've mm -hmm. we've heard a lot from the downhill side of the paddock that they're not necessarily fully happy with some of the changes that are going on but it's been pretty mm -hmm. quiet from the enduro side of things like how do you how do you feel about some of these changes because it's it's super significant right mm -hmm. i think we're not under as much uh stress i guess like they had a really good thing different than ours and that's in jeopardy in in a sense uh so i think they're there's just more worry around that whereas i think for us it can only be it can only be better you know like obviously we've had we've had chris who is now running the whole thing he's been running the ews for for the entire for the entirety of it so i know that he he loves the sport and he does do what he thinks is best for everything and so for us i think it's more like we're just constantly being stepped up and up and up and i i think that it might be different and it might take a little bit of time potentially is the only downside, but I think that it will be better for us in the long run. So 
not too worried about it. Like it'll be really sick to be a part of being grouped in with all of it just does make it more legitimate. Like it's been tough over the years to say like, I want to say like, Oh, I want a world cup, but you can't, you couldn't really. And it was just kind of weird. So it's nice to be, you, you look at the downhill and the, and the XC and it was always just like, that was, that was the pinnacle. There was like the world cups and we were like the world series. And now I see that they just rebranded the whole thing as a world series. So maybe, maybe I'd actually don't get to be a world cup. I'm not sure how it, how it works, but um, yeah, they just had a little bit more procedure on there. So being brought into that, that circle, I think as you know, we, we were the, the pinnacle series of our discipline. And so now that we're like, these three disciplines or four or five, or I guess it's like XCC and, and marathon as well. But I think that's really good for us. Um, I've heard like maybe the coverage isn't going to be ideal for 2023 because they're going to focus on downhill mostly, but for 2024 and beyond, like this is a, this is a long-term thing. Um, <clears throat> so I think that at some point it will be a lot better and even just getting coverage on <clears throat> discovery. I think for us this is really good because downhill has had red bull which has been a great medium for them to get their exposure and everything out there so uh we will get a little bit more of that you know we've only been on <clears throat> on youtube so yeah it's i think it's good for us and that's why i think we're not stressed because yeah it's, it's just better yeah and chance for a set of world champ stripes from 2024 onwards i think yeah yeah that's that's pretty cool i think yeah, I'm really stoked for that. I think that would be amazing. Uh, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but I would love, I would love to be able to do that. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that chance. Awesome. And uh, do you think it would be good to be combined with some of the downhill events? There's quite a few actually in the calendar that are downhill and EDR on the same weekend. Well, that is that a good thing, a bad thing? I think yes and no. I think that, you know, I'm sure there's respect both ways, but I do think that everyone views downhill as kind of the pinnacle. And I hope that it's not where like some little, little brother kind of coming in and, and being overshadowed. I think there'll be a little bit of that, which, which makes sense. Like downhill has been around for a lot longer. It is way easier to watch and it is just way different. Um, so I think that those rounds will be good because we'll be, part of the whole circus there but i'm not sure that it'll be like as good as the other rounds when we get like kind of our own attention so we'll see i think we'll have to just wait and see how that looks because yeah like i said chris is a big fan of ews uh i know like all spectators are fans are as well it's just not an easy as a spectator sport and it's just different for sure so we'll see yeah you're riding this year for a brand though who make a downhill bike. Is there going to be a sender in the garage at some point? You think? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think it was talked about that I would like use it for training and learning some things, and uh, it wasn't really talked about. But I, for sure, in the back of my head, was like <laughs> it would be cool at some point to uh, to give it a go. But I am also getting the feeling that I am <clears throat> hired for a specific purpose, so. I can't really deviate and go do a downhill. So maybe a, maybe a few years down the line. <laughs> Sounds good. With with all the rounds then being single day races, does that change your training focus at all? Like I'm guessing the intensity on a one day event is going to be higher than the bigger day, you know, the bigger two day kind of style that we've had at points in mm. the past. 
Uh, I mean, that's that's been changed for a while. Like, it's been a while since we've done the big two-day events, uh, which kind of sucks. Like, I think we all enjoyed just those big suffering days. And I mean, I can't believe we did some of those. It was. I remember this one, one, this one in Chile. No shuttling, nothing, and it was like two 50k days. So we did two 50k practice days followed by two 50k race days, and it was just like huge <laughs> so those are cool like huge adventures and just the racing has changed i really feel like since the uh, i guess that started covid year but mainly the 2021 season when we had those two races in a week uh they kind of made those races shorter and smaller to reduce our our workload and stress load i guess because they didn't want to increase any injuries or, or fatigue and stuff like that which yeah sure sure that's coming from a from a point of you know uh scientific proof i'm sure but it really made those races short and intense and then as the race days got bigger the intensity didn't really go down as to what it used to be it used to be like really big and we were racing like really fast and really hard but there was a bit of you know it was like maybe we're at like 95 98 percent of like full attack speed because you just couldn't. And then and then we got given these races where they were really short and you just had all this energy. And then the race stages are all that matters. So you just put more into it and the intensity went to like 105%. And then the days got longer again, but we didn't we didn't remove that intensity. So now I feel like we're racing at 105%, but doing massive six or seven hour days. And like it's gotten but I just the speed is is wild. Like it's it's crazy, yeah, how fast, how fast we're going. Um so I think the training is different, but I do think I've heard that the days are going to go back to just being like really big days, which is nice. Um, so for me, the tra- training never really changed. Like even for the last couple of years, it's been the pro stage, but that was like such a small thing that it wasn't really a thing to train for. Um, so just still just doing as, as big a days as I can and then just as much intensity as I can. So it's, same same training and then i think the pro stage was confusing in a way i liked it because it kind of gave you a little bit of reference point before you go into the big day of racing but i think the one day makes more sense so we'll see it's just like it's just a little bit like not much riding i guess i i I liked the big four day kind of race weeks so it was just yeah just a lot of time on your bike which is really fun yeah, yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people are sad to see the back of that, but hopefully it all progresses in a good direction. So how, how mm-hmm. are you feeling coming into 2023 then? It sounds like you feel good about the choices that you've made. Like you feel like you're in a good mm-hmm. spot with the bike, the team, physically. We Are we ready to go? We're, we're getting there. I think it's been, you know, can't understate the, how much the transition has kind of taken. It's been a lot of stress and and anxiety and like a lot of things surrounding that like it's a a big change you're learning new people you're leaving old people a little bit and it's just it's been it's been tough so i've been yeah it's been it's been a hard couple months and i wouldn't say that like it's been as it's been as good as it could have been but i just don't think it's as like straightforward and cut and drive like i'm just having to train every day it's like i have to do a lot more on both ends like i had finished out my contract at 
Rocky Race Base and did a lot of kind of things for them. And then at the same time, I was obviously trying to set things up with the Canyon team. And so there was just a lot. Like I basically had two jobs for a couple of months and it was, there was a lot uh, and it was pretty stressful. So it was, it was tough. And like, yeah, the last month trying to find places just to get training in um, has made it tough. So I think we're on the other side of that. I'm hoping it, it looks like our weather is maybe cooperating. Um, I'll have those three weeks in France, which I think will be really, really beneficial. And then the season starts. So, I mean, I think that I come from a pretty good base level of fitness, so I should be feeling pretty good. The bike, I mean, we're working on it. it it's a never ending thing as I've, I've, as I've found out, like I'll feel good and then I'll start like ratcheting up the speed and then I'll have to change things again, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's good. Things are, things are going well. I think I'm excited. I, I'm still, that's a, the thing that is consistent is that it's exciting and it's new and it's fun and there's a lot of, a lot to learn. So I'm enjoying the process and I think that's the most important part. I think I, I, wish I could say that I'm going to start Tasmania as good as I left last season, but I think that's a big ask. So my expectations aren't quite like, you know, coming in start of the season where people might expect me to be. So it's a long season and we'll see. Yeah. And also another big move in one of your main competitors, I guess, Jack Moore's got a team move that's going to mm-hmm. mean he's learning new things as well. So there's a couple yeah. of you in the same boat. It'll be interesting to see how it all pans out when we get back between the tape, I guess. Yeah, I feel like Jack is really, he's just way more easygoing than I am. And I think he'll deal with it a little bit better. So, I'm, yeah, we'll see. It, it will be curious. So there's, there's a lot of moves um, and I think it's exciting. So, yeah, I'm, I, I can't wait till yeah. uh, all that gets announced. Yeah, there's a lot, to, a lot to see. It's exciting stuff and it's not long till the season gets going, which is good. You can get out there and give us some, uh, some entertainment because I think everyone's like bored of the off season now and wants to see some <laughs> racing. So yeah, I'm stoked for you, man. I'm excited to yeah. see how the move goes. I wish you all the best. Thank you. Um, if people want to follow you throughout the season, where's the best place for them to look? Yeah. Instagram, Jesse Malamed. Uh, I'll still be doing my YouTube stuff. Try to do a little bit more of that, I guess. And then I guess Canyon Collective page. So I'll be doing a bunch for them and yeah, but Instagram's my, my go-to. I, I put, uh, a lot on there maybe too much as we've seen so <laughs> <laughs> nice one thanks for your time jesse and uh, all the best for 2023 thank you hopefully see you there all right that's it for this episode with jesse i really hope you've enjoyed it don't forget if you want to watch this or any future episodes you can do that over at youtube.com forward slash at downtime podcast and there's a link to that in the show notes too head over there now and make sure you're subscribed there's a lot more awesome content coming your way over the course of 2023 so make sure you're following the podcast by hitting that button in your podcast app or head into downtimepodcast.com forward slash follow You can also get a bit of extra downtime by signing up to our newsletter at downtimepodcast.com forward slash newsletter. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do that by telling your friends about the show, sharing the podcast on your social media, grabbing yourself some merch at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop, subscribing to our biannual mountain bike journal, Downtime EP at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP, or leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts. That's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 